Welcome to the Look for Strength podcast, where we share exceptional stories from exceptional individuals around the world for exceptional listeners. I'm Ame Look, and I'm your host. Today's podcast features the president and CEO of Fundserve, a technology platform in the Canadian investment fund industry that increases the efficiency and effectiveness of business operations. Karen Adams is an incredible leader, recognized as a 2017 winner of Canada's 100 Most Powerful Women Award from the Women's Executive Network. Having spent the majority of her career internationally in the Middle East, Asia, and Europe, her first role as a CEO was with HSBC in Jordan and Palestine. In her experience working in C-suite positions across industries and countries, she consistently constructs dynamic teams by inspiring employees and developing leaders. I had the privilege of hearing Karen speak at the Queen's Conference on International Business about her adaptable leadership philosophy, which is rooted in forming one-on-one relationships, collaboration, and communication. In this podcast, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Karen about her secret to strong leadership, advice she has for aspiring leaders, and how she tackles challenges. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for being with us here today on the Look for Strength podcast. Hi, M.A. It is an absolute pleasure. It's always a real joy for me to talk to young women who are ambitious and energetic, and you certainly fit that category. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm so excited to hear your insights on leadership today, so I'll get right into a few questions. Um, First off, would you be able to share with us the moments in your personal life and career you are most proud of and what skills you have developed along the way? Sure. Uh, I would say when you ask that question, there are two key moments that come to me. One when I was quite young and uh, then one when I was older, really getting started in my career. And the first one is a love story. The, uh, the one when I was quite young is when I met my husband, I was 11 years old. That might scare many of your listeners thinking maybe they know their spouse already, but um, I truly believe that one of the most important decisions you can make in life that will uh, help both personal, professional, just life happiness is who you choose as a partner. And I chose very well. Uh, and uh, and then the second one, I would say the second moment is when I chose to go international. Uh, Canada is a wonderful country, and I'm so glad that I was born and raised here and that I returned here for the last 10 years of my career. But most of my career was spent outside of Canada, and that's just because I was willing to put my hand up and say, yes, I will go. Uh, And uh, it was enriching and so rewarding, still pays so many benefits today. Well, your incredible international experience is something that I definitely aspire to follow. And hearing about your husband and your love story is also so inspiring, as I completely agree. The people who you surround yourself with are who help you along your career and really make that big difference. I have another question for you. What is your philosophy on what makes a good leader? And what is the greatest misconception that some people may have about leadership? Sure. I am always ready for this question because many people will ask me, given that I've worked in a number of different countries, uh, what is the key to multicultural leadership? And I say it's a myth. There's no such thing as multicultural leadership because the term assumes that 
people are managed differently depending on their cultural background, the country where they grew up or the color of their skin or indeed their gender. And it's not at all the case. Uh, I would manage uh, Young Jin in Korea in a different way than I would manage Julie in London because they're different individuals, not because they're Korean and British. I think the most important skill, secret, um, experience that I've had when it comes to managing people is get to know the person, build a relationship of trust, and then you can allow people to, uh, do their absolute best work. And that's how I've conducted my management and leadership style over the years. That's incredible because I feel like as a young person going through um, business school, you're so used to hearing that you need to kind of adapt your whole style um, and look at different cultures individually. But um, the way you look at it, looking at the individual instead of the culture is, I think, so refreshing. In terms of your career, what are some unexpected challenges that you may have faced abroad or what is your approach to tackling these challenges? I don't think I even was aware of many of the challenges that faced me. I just barreled right through. Uh, many people also ask me, living in a number of different countries in Asia and across the Middle East, did you have barriers as a woman? Are there challenges that you face because of your gender? And I'm sure there were, but I didn't, I don't think I recognized them. I belong to a generation of women who I think. I have to admit that we dropped the ball a little bit on feminism. Uh, our parents' generation, my mother's generation, they were all real activists, women's libbers they were known at the time. And when I started my career, because my mom was, I, I think, a women's libber, I started my career and I thought all of the barriers were broken and everything was just, it, it, I was as equal as my brother, equal opportunity. I was wrong. Uh, but I didn't realize that until later in my career when I, I looked around the room as a CEO in my late 30s, uh, heading up a bank in the Middle East, in Jordan, that I was the only woman in the room. Uh, and then I realized, wow, I better start talking about this. I better start being a little bit more of an activist. And then I recognized that there were many barriers, but my blindness and naivete through the years just allowed me to barrel through them. Uh, but now I talk about those challenges a little bit more. I think that's an absolutely incredible approach to take, how you didn't get in your head, you kept going, and to the point where you didn't even recognize those inequalities that were perhaps coming up as you started your career. I just kind of have a follow-up question here. When you did realize that there were workplace inequalities in a, in a mainly male-dominated industry, how did you deal with those when they arose? Okay, that's, yeah, that's a good question. Let me tell you one story about um, being the CEO of a bank in the Middle East. I, I was new to the role. It was my first CEO role. It was 2008. And uh, just after the, the bottom had dropped out of the global economy. And my boss sat in Dubai. And my boss was the boss of all of the CEOs in the Middle East and Africa region for the bank. And every year there was a strategic summit, uh, a strategy meeting among all of these CEOs. It was always took place in Abu Dhabi and it always ended with a round of golf. And I was really looking forward to it. I'm not the greatest golfer, but I love the game. And uh, well, as it turns out, uh, it was a men's only golf club. 
And so I was not allowed to go. And the guys who truly were um, good guys, they sympathized, but they went golfing anyway. And relationships were forged and decisions were made on that golf course without me. So I learned early on that you fight the fights you can win. I certainly wasn't going to win a fight to, uh, with the owners of that golf club to get to golf that day. But the next year, I proposed that we have the strategic offsite in my country, Jordan, where I had come to know the queen of Jordan, who is a progressive feminist herself. And we went, instead of golfing, we went on an equestrian uh, event, a really fancy schmancy event. And it was wonderful. Ultimately, we this the, the bank won the in, in inaugural sovereign bond issue of the Jordanian government because of the relationship I had forged with her. So win-win all round, women rule. Uh, and uh, that's how I think you overcome challenges. That's definitely an incredible relationship to build and an incredible story and way to deal with the challenge by really seizing the next opportunity that came up. I just have one last question for you. What is the most useful piece of advice you've ever been given? That can be throughout your childhood or in your career. Say yes. Put your hand up for everything. Be enthusiastic and energetic uh, at a time when I think it's it's kind of cool to be um, aloof and standoffish and sort of quiet. Uh, you can really distinguish yourself as a young person by just being enthusiastic, overly enthusiastic sometimes, and saying, "Yep, I'll I'll serve on that committee," or "I will uh, volunteer myself for that thing," or "I'll volunteer to go overseas." Whatever it happens to be. Keep yourself absolutely open to all opportunities, show your enthusiasm and energy, and you will distinguish yourself from your peers and get opportunities that they wouldn't get. Thank you so much, Karen. You've completely shifted my perspective on leadership and taking my career international and how I can be part of a creating a strong team in any environment or culture. I honestly cannot thank you enough for taking the time to share with us your secret to strong leadership and to your success in your career um, this far and how it really comes down to the strength of seizing opportunities and forming relationships. You are very welcome. It's a real pleasure to be a part of your career trajectory, which I'm sure will be long and strong. Thank you so much, Karen. Wow, I am definitely inspired by Karen's strength of dedication. Dedication to an inclusive and adaptable leadership philosophy, dedication to seizing opportunities abroad, and a dedication to her career that doesn't waver in the face of challenges. I want to thank Karen again for speaking on the Look for Strength podcast today, and make sure to subscribe to follow along. I'm your host, Amay Look, and thank you for listening in. See you soon. <laughs>